Hi, I'm Rob Vanstone, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rider Rumblings video podcast. I'm here with uh, my worthy constituent, uh, Dr. Murray McCormick. Uh, Murray is generously doing this on a day off, so yes. um, uh, we must acknowledge the yeoman service uh, call and uh, uh, efforts far beyond the call of duty that he's, he's expending today. And before we go any further, here's my dog. Isn't Candy adorable? She's the executive. Sorry? Is it Candy's day off too, or is every day is a day off? For candy? <laughs> Life is a day off for Candy, so uh, she's the executive producer. So, um, few things to bat around today. Uh, Rough Riders are three and zero, uh, first time since uh, twenty thirteen, and uh, there's this issue of uh, vaccinations that seems to be uh, uh, cascading across the Canadian Football League. Um, which topic would you like to tackle first? Well, you and I are both known to always start with a happier note. Let's start with three and oh. What the heck? That's not very often it happens here. It's happened quite as I meant to look it up. It's happened a few times. They get started off hot since I've taken over the beat and managed to do pretty well towards the end. And uh, I was watching the game the other night and laying there doing some stuff and thought, we might have to start calling these guys a good team. Well, I they, they, they are. They both they most certainly are. Are they a great team? We don't really know yet, uh, but uh, they're clearly uh, the 3-0 record is certainly well earned. Um, I did some number crunching. I'm not I'm not uh, entirely finished yet, but this is the Rough Riders' sixth 3-0 start since 1975. So, um, interestingly, they it's not too novel for them to do this. They went 3-0 in 1988, and they didn't do it again for 20 years. They went 6-0 to start the 2008 season. Then they did it in 2010, 2012, and 2013. Uh, three of those seasons, those being 2008, 2010, and 2013, they play host, they played host to the West Division, uh, a West Division playoff game, uh, with the West Division uh, semifinal. 2012, they started off three and zero, and they finished eight and ten. So, not necessarily a good omen, but uh, that uh, you're better off being three and zero than four three. Anything else at this juncture of the season? So it. Uh, and who I knows? This so predict unpredictable. Who knows? I remember them starting off pretty well with me. I, I seem to always seem to have a fast start since I've taken over the beat in 08. So kind of have good to have your numbers back up. My fading memory. Thanks, Robin. This is one of your one of your better statistical moments. Uh, but the you know, like I was thinking back to Saturday's game. Try to find a hole. Where was their hole? Okay, the running game, but they well, still the run, had William Powell wishes he could find a hole. <laughs> but, but they still had over 300 yards of net offense. They still scored enough points to win. Cody Fajardo was nearly perfect. Five incompletions. That's incredible numbers. One of them was a drop. I know. So He was 21 out of his last 22 passes, and the one yeah. incompletion was a drop. And he's running the ball. I know people are concerned about how he runs the ball a little bit. I think that's the way he's always going to run the ball. You that's wish. his game. But why that's would you take that away? So why would you take that away from him? You and I both talked a lot about life in the trenches and how concerned we were. And look at look what's going on now. The leading the defensive line, not the defensive line. The Riders' defense are leading the league in sacks with fourteen. Jonathan Nobody Woodward's else is more than nine. Jonathan Woodward's leading the league with five Woodard. sacks. Woodard, sorry, Jonathan Woodward's leading the league with sacks, five sacks. Had another outstanding game. Garrett Marino may have to find out one day if he's related to Dan Marino, but I don't think we'll ever find that out. But and the Wood and uh, AC Leonard's playing well and just. The, the offensive line, what have they given up? Four sacks, and two of them were kind of on the iffy side. Two of them were running, running plays that yeah, just ended so up going nowhere. 
And so and here are all these, so these concerns and sweating it out over the offensive line and the defensive line. And it's kind of makes you want to say this, like Charleston, who? <laughs> well, he, he has yet to record a sack. Yeah. So. Um, I'm not saying he's not contributing in Toronto. They're two and one and he's forced to fumble. And, and uh, uh, I think he's still a good player, but uh, there's certainly life beyond Charleston Hughes. Well, amazing. It is. And it ends up in Jonathan Woodard. Like, Really, who we know we had a couple sacks in that that green and white scrimmage. We kind of noticed them a little bit, but never thought he'd be doing this kind of stuff right off, right out of the shot, right out of the gun. And he's playing so well, and so Garrett Marino too. And then a little concerns about Micah Johnson. I it looks like it's he was an ankle injury when he was helped off the field. He's got a week to get better, or even two weeks. But still, the way he's been playing and helping that defensive line, you you want to be concerned about that for sure. Uh, the linebackers. Dion Lacey's just been a, all over the field, kind of just like he was when he was with Edmonton. A.G. Handy and uh, Micah Tights, mixed mixed reviews for them yet. Like, Micah Tights has had a lot of tackles and stuff. But, well, he had a sack but, against yeah. Ottawa. A.J. Handy the week before at his first CFL interception. Handy also had a um, an ill-advised roughing penalty yeah. on on a drive that culminated in the Red Blacks' only touchdown. But, exactly. But he, he's been fine. I mean, the – the front seven, which was my primarily cons- primary concern coming into the season, it has not been an issue. Look at the manner in which the defense is performing. They haven't they haven't had any issues in coverage. Although uh, 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 R.J. Harris versus Micah Tights for a 42-yard yeah. gain, that's the kind of that's the kind of mismatch that uh, that uh, opposing offensive coordinators are going to salivate over. But uh, still it's, it's unrealistic us. to expect any linebacker to cover R.J. Harris. And R.J. Harris still had to make a circus catch yeah. against him. Like, so that's still going to be one of the catches of the year down the road. That was just I just love it when a guy just so totally commits his whole body and lays straight out, regardless of how it's going to feel when he hits the ground. That, that's, that was a great catch. I don't put as much on. Micah was close, but I don't know if he was. Well, he as soon as he was lined up opposite uh... – opposite Harris on that one is like yeah. well, you've got a linebacker on an island like that like even a passing offense is as pathetic as Ottawa's is going to be able to exploit something like that yeah. but um there's not really much many you're right Mer, there's not many holes to pick uh in, in no, the riders right now um, think about McRoberts and Schaefer Baker coming in a little bit concerned first starts and all that stuff and boom they're both lighting it up you're going holy smokes they got this depth on the receiving core so it's really, I know it's only three games, and sometimes Saskatchewan, we get accused of going over the top pretty darn fast, but you watch that game, and I know Ottawa's got its issues, and you look at the things they're doing well, and it's it's hard not to get excited for the second portion of this. It's not the second portion. We're a little bit away from the second half of the season. It just feels like, though, doesn't it? Doesn't it feel like we should be yeah, heading well, into the this second time, half? This time of year, we're usually about midway through a season, yeah. and we're, uh, we're basically midway through the midway, if you look at the Queen City X right now. <laughs> So yeah. different dynamics this season. It's just a weird thing. But, you know, I think other teams, I think I've seen a couple of power poles or riders are ranked first, rightfully so. I, I don't think there's any issues with that. How do you pick anybody else at this point? I, at 3-0. and But did you think they could go 3-0 and in the way to start no. off the season? I had them going 7-7. Seven and seven. Uh, I think I had. Uh, I mean, the, the consider, considering that their schedule is now heavily weighted toward road games, and, and they are a beat-up football team, you never know, but uh, I, I figured they went two out of the three first home games. The two of the, two out of their first three home games, the loss being to to uh, Hamilton, and that ended up being the most lopsided victory of the season in favor of the Rough Riders. So that pretty much invalidated 
those predictions right out of the gate. But um, you know, the only, I mean, the offensive line, Jason Moss is being very smart, as is Cody Fajardo, about how to compensate for some of the uh, subtractions from the offensive line. And I'm not for a moment uh, diminishing the manner in which they perform, but the strategy uh, largely um, reduces the pressure placed on the, the offensive linemen, especially those who are new to, to yeah. the Canadian Football League or to the lineup, because they're getting rid of, some, of the ball so quickly. Uh, basically, two-thirds of Cody Fajardo's passes this season have been released in fewer than ten, two seconds, so there just isn't time to get to the rider quarterback. Now, I wonder if there's a possibility there, though, that, that uh, if teams can jam the receivers on the short routes, if you go back into coverage and they say, let's let's rush three or four guys and let's concentrate on coverage, um, and you force the riders into those situations where there just aren't going to be those receivers open for those short routes and you make them go deep, they haven't shown that this season that they're, they can be the kind of over-the-top threat that they were in previous seasons, and Shaq Evans is now out of the lineup for roughly half a season. So if you're if, they, if you're a rival defensive coordinator, you're looking at what they're doing and saying, look, let's let's maybe rush three guys, let's put nine people in coverage and make him hold on to the ball. And can they go over the top? And can that offensive line hold for three or four seconds, or will they have to hold for three or four seconds? That would seem to me to be the way to, to neutralize the Rough Rider offense is just to uh, not allow it to play to its strengths the way it has been doing. The the the, the wild card in all of that, though, is Cody Fajardo can just take off and run. Exactly. And, and and he's doing that so effectively. Uh, I mean, 66 yards rushing against Hamilton, 47 this past week, and uh, was the Riders' leading rusher more than twice as many yards as, as uh, William Powell had. So uh, the running game is a concern in terms of handing off the football. Uh, and and you have to wonder, you know, two out of the three games this season, the Rough Riders running game has either not been effective or not been used. So I'm still not sure what to make of that running game. Well, it's I think it's being used, just being used by different personnel, isn't it, a little bit? The way you're kind of looking at Cody is doing his job when he has to run the ball, helping things out there. Uh, I think one of the things with the running game is I, I do like, and it's, it's Cody, this last game, wasn't as head first sliding as much as he was. And I know you take that out of his game, you take away the best part of his game, but it's nice to see that he's getting a little bit uh, more cautious when he's going to get hit and stuff because we do know, what, even though the guys behind him are, he is the franchise quarterback. We haven't been calling that because it, for without good reason. We kind of would like to see him stay south as he can for as long as he can. Which well, one hit can change everything. And, yeah. uh, I mean, uh, great stuff, says I mean even, even, even last season, I mean, a freak injury in practice. And who, if Cody Fajardo doesn't get hurt in practice, are they in, are they in the Grey Cup or do they win the Grey Cup? Uh, uh, we look at Darian Durant back-to-back seasons. We look at Ron Lancaster in 1970. There's there's myriad examples of a Rough Riders Rough Riders sailing along quite nicely until the quarterback gets hurt, and uh, and then that changes everything. And and uh, this isn't a situation where if John Huffnagel gets hurt, there's Joe Barnes ready to come in. There's not a not a situation where if Ken Austin gets hurt, there's Tom Burgess ready to come in or vice versa. Uh, there's no Kevin Glenn as as, as Plan B anymore. So uh, they're just and and that may change if we, if we end up seeing Isaac Harker or Paxton Lynch for an extended period. But right now they're they're still unproven. What is proven is that this offense can move the ball with Cody Pajardo, and that any discussion or speculation about him being a flash in the pan or a one-off, I think that's quickly been quashed by his performances right out of the gate. 
And I know this is an offense, but I'm going to give kudos to Ed Ganey's pick. That was probably one of the best picks he's had since 2017, the way he climbed the ladder and got up there. And, you know, there were little concerns about Ed getting a little older, getting a little slower. But, boy, that was a big-time pick. Yeah, it looked like it was going to be intercepted out of the hand. <laughs> say that. As soon as he threw that, I thought, well, that's that's going to be picked. Because nobody fell for the double move. No. And uh, and that was that was a huge play. That put the Riders on the Ottawa 37-yard line and, and, and was just uh, – I mean, just it was an example of how the Rough Riders managed the game so well, too. They, they, uh, they were happy to take the field goals. They didn't. Yeah. They were a little daring in some cases, in that they they gambled on a third and three. Uh, but uh, for the most part, they just they realized you don't need a lot of points to to beat Ottawa. Let's not give them a life. And if three points are there, take the three points. And and in a lot of cases, there were cases too where the Riders were second and nine, and they threw for six yards. And uh, in some cases, you look at that and say, well, why don't you throw beyond beyond the, the chains uh, or beyond the yard markers? But in 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 one case, a pass to Braden Lennius, that was the difference between Brett Lowther trying a uh, Brett Lowther trying a 50-yard field goal and a 44-yard field goal. Some of those shorter passes, even if they didn't necessarily go for first downs, made the field goals more manageable for the Rough Riders. And what the Rough Riders defense also did, there were a few times when the Red Blacks crossed midfield and it looked like they were at least going to be in, in field goal range. And Lewis Ward isn't going to miss very often. He missed the long field goal. Yeah. Is that Candy's cameo? He missed the long field goal on uh, on uh, on Saturday. But Lewis Ward is a very reliable kicker. So you don't want to – the Red Blacks took themselves out of field goal, goal positions a couple of times when Matt Nichols got sacked. And that defense tended to stiffen. Uh, when Ottawa was encroaching upon uh, field goal range, and that was, I think, it was the timeliness of the of the plays that, that were made by the defense. There weren't a lot of turnovers, only only two, ultimately. But the defense the defense played the game smartly, and the Rough Riders' offense played the game smartly. And uh, you're generally going to win when you do that. Because yeah. uh, I had a great statement I was going to make there, Rob. Oh John, my goodness! You talked too long. Uh, I was. I'm going to say now. That's not football. It was, it was so cool to be at Mosaic Stadium with the fair going on, people all around us, just kind of like people having fun. It was just that buzz walking into the stadium. That buzz that was going on around the whole facility was such a cool thing. And I know the Delta variant is here, and I know there's issues, but it was nice for a couple of minutes there to have normalcy return with to see what was going on with the fair. I didn't. I didn't go walk around the fair. I was done too late, but. Didn't you think that was kind of cool, the smells and the sounds and the noises and all that, and just kind of mind took us back to the old days of early August and when things used to be normal? Yeah, I went for a walk after the game. I filed my column around 11.15 and decided to go for a walk around the midway and uh, took a bunch of pictures that I used to make snide remarks on Twitter. And uh, um, it was cool just to go for that walk. I stopped at a, one of those food booths. I got my wife a Greek salad. Uh, it was $20 with some <laughs> lamb thrown on, and I left them a nice tip. And uh, and uh, my wife was still eating it. <laughs> so uh, it, was, it, it was it was kind of cool to walk around and, and uh, kind of, again, take in uh, that which is normal and hoping that it, it uh, it's sustainable. Uh, you yeah. look at the – and maybe we're transitioning into the other topic that seems to be timely right now is, is uh, the COVID numbers. And, and, and obviously there's, a I think, a trend across the league – for fans who want to attend games to have to either prove vaccination or show a negative COVID test. Now, as, as we record this on a Tuesday morning at 1123, seven of the uh, nine CFL teams are now uh, are, are now requiring it, or at least the, the, the jurisdictions, the governmental 
the the government uh, ruling parties in those in those areas is certainly requiring it, and in a lot of cases the teams are in lockstep with it. Uh, the Rough Riders are an outlier here, as are the Edmonton Elks, and we know what kind of COVID situation the Edmonton Elks are in right now. Yes, exactly. Um, where do you see this going, Mur? If anywhere. Wow, is that? I wish I. You remember we kind of thought that the CFL would have to get to September before it started to play. And I kind of thought maybe September might be the end. I, I think it's a sign of, of of tough things ahead. I think if the Eskimos are going to be one of the first teams. Elks, 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 Elks. Sorry, Elks, I know, and I'm just going to compliment you on that. That's the Elks alarm. Yes. Well, sorry. anyway, I I, don't, I kind of think I hate to think it's the tip of the iceberg, but I kind of wonder if it's just a sign of, you know, it's. It's the guy, people who are unvaccinated that are causing all the issues. Can we say that? If you're vaccinated, you don't, I don't think you, you can still get COVID, but you're going to be okay. In you most know, cases. In I mean, most cases. Jesse Jackson got vaccinated. He's not doing, he's not feeling that well as we speak now. There's, and there's some examples of that, but you're playing there's the percentages more, here. There's more and, examples of people yeah. getting, and I, I think the Eskimos are going to be in tough shape. Elks, in the Elks, 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 these, I, I think the Elks are going to be in tough shape, and on how, we don't even know if these guys are sick or whether they're just they're whether they just have symptoms or what is what's going on with them. What's it going to be down the road for this team? Yeah. Nine they players. Were nine, is, nine. That's you know it's kind of funny. You think back to the things. Remember once we were really fretting over four guys with Achilles injuries on the same day. Yeah. And then they have this the the Elks thing shows up, and you go, "Holy smokes!" Another day of this is just an incredible, unbelievable things happen to the CFL and hopefully they can land on their feet. But I don't know, can Toronto afford to give up another game? Like if there's talk of maybe playing it back in Edmonton, Toronto is getting... I just hope they can play it. Yeah, I hope they can play it. How do, how's that going to work out if you find out because you're not at the 85% threshold, you're not going to get paid for that game. And these guys have only had three checks or have the Elks have played three games? I think they have. Yeah. So, had three checks and it's been a long time since they've had any sort of regular income so i don't know how that's going to go there's the incentivization to get vaccinated and there's sort of some peer pressure incorporated into the equation too and that uh if uh, you're a team that's at 84 percent then you've got players who are unvaccinated i'm sure there's going to be some veterans leaning on those guys Mm -hmm. you're you're potentially taking some food out of a lot of people's mouths but uh you know i don't think it's surprising that it has happened um you know considering the and you look at the numbers such as they are in Alberta, it's it's come somewhat scary there. We're into triple digits here again in Saskatchewan. The active cases are well over a thousand. Whereas at one point you just kept seeing that number go down, 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 down. And that yeah. wasn't too long ago. And and the restrictions were the public health measures were relaxed or eliminated here on July eleventh. But uh maybe I'm being alarmist, but you just wonder especially with this uh, the Delta virus, Delta variant, variant being so transmissible, where is this going to go? And that all lends itself to the discussion about what the Rough Riders should do. Uh, I've certainly weighed in with my sentiments on that in a column that I posted Tuesday morning on leaderpost.com and, and which will appear on in, in our printed version on Wednesday, saying the Rough Riders, uh, there should be mandatory vaccination or mandatory proof of a negative test for uh, anyone to attend a Rough Rider game. There's divergent points of view on that one. Uh, to me, it's simple common sense and it's simple, let's put safety first. The Rough Riders have been resistant to this. They're in lockstep with the provincial government, which has, uh, I think, opted for a, uh, for a less uh, stringent approach. 
But again, you look around the country, you see seven out of nine teams, including three of them on uh, Monday that that committed to this. I think at some point you've got to you've got to just be conscious of the way that the, the way that this is trending, and well, be very 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 wary of it as well. It's also the government was a bar, largely the impetus to make them go that way too, aren't they? Isn't that kind of the government to push the riders to do this? Well, that's I, I think I think it's, first and foremost it should be on the government to do the right thing, yeah. and uh, and take uh, to an extent protect people from themselves. And yeah. they have been very obstinate to this point uh, regarding uh, not uh, ma- mandating vaccinations of sporting events. And there's a whole other issue coming down the road too, not just with rider games, but junior hockey season is about to begin. What happens for the as far as the five Western Hockey League teams in Saskatchewan? What happens as far as the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League? There's a lot of mass gatherings or larger gatherings that are now going to be uh, going to be uh, part of the part of the sporting uh, mosaic. So and to kids speak. are going back to school. Kids are going back to school, and, and they're uh, not vaccinated, and it's nothing they can nothing a kid below 12 or whatever they can do about it. That's what that is. They have to wear masks, and but and there also, are people who would like to be vaccinated but can't be. And who's looking out for them? So I think at some point the lead has to be taken. And if 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 the provincial government doesn't and continues to abdicate responsibility for this or offload responsibility to this, as is in this case, as as you've seen with the with the the deference to the school boards uh, or the school uh, school districts, um, uh, at what point does does this this become very dangerous? And uh, if the provincial government, and I don't want to get political here, I should be on Murray's podcast or the other Murray's podcast, but <laughs> if the provincial government isn't going to do something about it, the, the city of Regina should. They they own, uh, ultimately own Evra's Place and Mosaic Stadium and the Brandt Center, which is going to be a facility that is is certainly can accommodate one of these large gatherings. And if the uh, if if the government or the governments aren't going to do something about it, I think the Rough, Rough Riders should certainly take the initiative and do the right thing. Well, I think I we've seen. I think we've seen enough of this. It's no longer, uh, it's no longer permissible or 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 well advised for this to continue. And I, I'd be surprised if the Canadian Football League wasn't wasn't uh, very quietly or perhaps uh, uh, um, strenuously lobbying the Rough Riders to get on board with this. Well, I know that I'm starting to wear a mask again in public gatherings. I've just gone back and I've. One of the, I'm a double vaccinated. I don't didn't think I need it anymore, but I think the way things are trending now, it's time to get our masks back on. And there's not a lot of masks at a rider game, Rob. No, but, I looked around on 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 Saturday. I, I had to have my uh, my uh, walk box before the game. So yeah, I, uh, I, I, I the previous previous game, I, I walked into the stadium without a mask. This time, I uh, I went in with one, and I was really taking stock of how many people didn't have masks and i was really interested in how close i was was getting to some people who were were unmasked and i i felt some unease i really enjoyed the chicken teriyaki and the two gatorade zeros so, so it was worth it and i'm still breathing but i really I, I took stock and maybe one out of every 20 people was wearing a mask yeah. maybe um I was also looking for Joey walters jerseys and thankfully there were some Joey walters jerseys there might have been more Joey walters jerseys than masks that's and that's crazy. somewhat that's somewhat uh, scary when you're sitting shoulder to shoulder with people you don't know you don't know them you don't know whether they're vaccinated, and it's easy to offload it and say it's the it's the uh, it's a disease or it's a it's a virus that afflicts the uh, unvaccinated and it, you can almost look at it punitively and, and say well it's their own fault that they don't get vaccinated I don't buy that I don't subscribe to that because there's residual effects 
that have to be taken into consideration. And I think you just have to reduce the amount of people who can can contract the virus, the amount of people who can spread the virus. You have to put the, the cap on that bottle to the extent that that is feasible while still having large scale events. The alternative might be for one of these things to turn into a super spreader, and then you've got huge issues. And then you've got numbers that are even more ominous than the ones we're looking at now, which too closely resemble the numbers we were looking at when, when COVID seemed to pose more of a threat. That's my, it's not a rant, but that's my speech for the day. I look out among the riders crowd and I have nothing to base it on other than I'm looking at them and they don't seem like an anti-vaxxer crowd. They seem like the people that are part of our generation that are, vaccines have been the whole reason we're, we're here now, we're more willing to take them. And I think there's more people vaccinated. I know that I'm assuming there's more people vaccinated at a rider game than unvaccinated. So I, I think that's, if it turns into a super spreader event, I'd be surprised to see that. There were nine people at the first game up in the, I hate to say, basically pill country who all kind of got, had the positive test for COVID. So maybe it's the riders are going to have to look at pill country and somehow separate them and get them to back to social distancing maybe. But it's such a fun place to be. And it's been such, it's one of the ways of approaching the young people. I don't know if they can get away with that, but. What do you think of that social distancing in pill country, Rob? Does that help? I, I don't. That Is almost that... defeats the purpose of pill country. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you've got to have a uh, have a policy that applies to everybody, and not just not just presume that that's where it is. Because in pill country, it's a little easier to maintain social distancing. You can actually stand at a distance from somebody. You can stand back. You can you can move. In, in elsewhere in the stadium, you're welded to a seat, and mm-hmm. uh, you've got to shuffle by people to go to the bathroom or go get popcorn or, or, or uh, walk box. I got to keep uh, saying walk box. So uh, I, I would think that, that uh, there's, there's, there's pros and cons in, in either locale, but again, just look around. Seven of the nine teams are now saying this and you know, we're, yeah. we're seeing it now for Blue Jays games. We're seeing it now at, uh, with private businesses. We're seeing it uh, in various walks of life. We're seeing it in entertainment circles. It's time. It is absolutely time. And I think the longer the Rough Riders wait on this, the more risks they are inviting and, and the worse they look. And this is a this is an organization that generally is and deservedly regarded as a league leader, as a leader in the community, a leader in the province. They're the in, in many ways they symbolize the province. And uh, the longer I think this goes, the more they put at risk a lot of what they have uh, worked so hard to build. And that is their brand. And that is everything to them. And uh, I don't think they can take the risk of it being tarnished. The fact that we're talking about this and that other people are talking about this instead of the Rough Riders being 3-0, and I think it, to a degree diminishes the brand. The discussion should all be, Rough Rider, Rough Rider related, related discussion should all be 3-0. and And yes, we control the tenor or the content of the discussion as as it exists within this forum. But it's be, that's, this discussion is also being held in other places. I'm on CBC on, on Wednesday talking about this. And I'm on CJME on Wednesday afternoon, Tuesday afternoon, talking about this, et cetera. We're not talking about the Rough Riders being 3-0. and And uh, wouldn't they like for all the discussion to be about matters pertaining exclusively to football when that is a, an unqualified good news story after all these months and in a complete season of not having football? Well, when do you think, do they really have a big push through now? They only have, what, four game home games left? Well, okay, good. I mean, if you've gotten, they've gotten, maybe they've gotten away with it so far. Yeah. Then they've had three of them back to back to back. So now they've got a bit of time to reconsider this. And uh, uh, I think the, the discussion is different now than it was heading into August 6th or August 14th or even August 21st. Uh, at one point, it was just the Bombers. 
and the government of Manitoba that was espousing this. Yeah. Now there's seven out of nine teams, and uh, and the CFL's marquee team is one of the outliers. Uh, I just think it's time. I, I don't know why the Rough Riders wouldn't be seen to be uh, – I'm not sure if they could even be proactive on this anymore because it would be more reactive at this juncture. Yeah. But uh, at least – you know, mitigate, mitigate the damages and minimize the risks. And let's just, let's get on with this. We can talk about football next week. Does that mean vaccine passports? Because basically all I have to prove that I have a double vax is a little handwritten card that someone's writing for when I got my, my vaccine. And I don't, I think, I think you can go to the website to get a printed version of you've been, you've been vaccinated. I don't know. You know no, I've just got the little. I've just got the little card. Whatever is required to to verify yeah. that you've been vaccinated, or and the other thing is they they go to such considerable lengths to make sure that the field of play oh, yeah. is is uh, COVID free. And and I mean, there our our photographers, for example, Troy Fleece and Brandon Harder, they have to be they have to uh, have a COVID test on on site before every game. And uh, there's I mean, there's they're really particular about who can even stand on the sidelines. Well, all yeah. the injured players are set off in the next spot. Yeah. You notice the people notice the there's like a little sort of corral for the injured players. Yeah, and they uh, can't stand in the in with the other guys. And we we still don't know if all those players have been vaccinated. But yeah. it seems to me that there's a, there's a standard being imposed, uh, and this is part of the CFL's protocol, not necessarily uh, a protocol designed by the Rough Riders, but one they certainly have to comply with, where. There's certain people who are in the stadium or on the sidelines who absolutely have to show proof of vaccination and have to prove that they don't have COVID. Yet, there that seems to be waived rather selectively, and it doesn't apply to the players. All the players on the field who are actually running into each other and would therefore seem to be at much greater risk of uh, giving each other COVID-19 than uh, than a photographer standing in the sidelines who's by by sheer uh, for practical reasons, doesn't really want to be uh, in the middle of the action. So they operate at a certain distance just because of what they do. So where is the uniform policy that, that applies to uh, to everyone? And I realize there's dangers in one size fits all, but they're so stringent in one respect and, and yet so lax in another. And when I, when I talk about there, I'm referring to the Canadian Football League. And uh, I think it's, at some point they've got to They've got to look at uh, re-examine these policies in conjunction with, in, in conjunction with the Canadian Football League Players Association, and just do their utmost to make sure everybody's safe. Would you that want to know? Number one concern. Would you want to know who's vaccinated? Would you want to know who's vaccinated on your team? Would you want to know if the other guy decides? I don't know. It's a personal thing, but boy, this it, it goes beyond personal when you're in a locker room, when you're in a meeting with these guys, when it's pretty hard to practice social distancing, even though they are, and they've used it. Also find it interesting that the Eskimos all they get there when the Elks, CFL Elks oh, three. Geez, that's three times today. Man, I'm yeah. just I'm in holiday mode. I'm not working. My <laughs> brain's not working. How's that? We haven't called uh, them the Oilers yet anyway. So. Uh, that's a, I'll probably hit that one. Maybe the Oil Kings, maybe. <laughs> uh remember the Edmonton Ice? Yeah, I think there's something tied into this, the fact that the CFL we, we eased some of the restrictions on COVID that all of a sudden boom the Eskimo as Elks. That was close. The Elks. Three and a half. The Elks are, you know, have a whole bunch of positive tests. I wonder if it's too soon for that. Well, the timing does invite the question, but I don't think you can, you can fairly uh, make that leap and conclude that. It, it's no. it's curious, but I I think this is uh, – I think it was just inevitable. If you look at the National oh, Football no. League last season, and that that's a – they have a lot more resources and a lot more money to kind of 
deal with things like this, and there were outbreaks there. You look at Major League Baseball this season, and and we've seen it there. Oh. National Basketball, so we've seen it elsewhere in 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 situations where the leagues and the teams have a lot more money and a lot more resource resources to theoretically hermetically seal their environs. You don't necessarily see that in the Canadian Football League and in the Canadian Football League centers. So, um, I, you know, they they got to week three without yeah, like- really anything. So I think there's there's that to, to, to from which yeah. to derive some comfort. But when you see nine and when you see a game postponed and perhaps cancelled, uh, you really start to wonder and you really start to worry. How about burying the lead? Was that nine o'clock on Sunday night that came down? Yeah, something like that. Like that's the old media thing. The government released a press release at ten to five or something on a Friday afternoon. Friday afternoon. Bury the bad news. How about yeah. burying the bad news? We on might have Sunday to bring night. you back from holidays on Friday at 4.45 p.m. <laughs> or 9 p.m. <laughs> 9 p.m. So I remember seeing, I, and I have to admit, I, I just checked my email before I went to bed. and went, what? This is crazy. This is just, and at 9 o'clock on a Sunday night, that just seemed to be such a weird timing for the uh, announcement. Well, then again, if they don't release it, then people are asking them, why do you, why do you sit on the news? Exactly. So, um, And the Eskimos have always been one of the, Elks have always been one of the best teams especially as, as Eskimos with media and stuff producing information. So we'll give the Elks credit for that. Let's move on. I want to move on to, uh, we have a bye week here. Things are quiet for a little bit. Uh, good. Other than the <laughs> CFL blowing up around us, the riders are off. I don't know how many of them have gone away. There didn't seem to be any sort of, you know, they talked a little bit about some guys could have got vaccines, but not in time to be able to leave the city. And originally the protocol said you weren't allowed to go home on during the, during the bye weeks, you had to stay. Yeah. So that's, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure if they could go home, they went home. But this little money to fly, they haven't had a lot of checks. So they've kind of got to uh, look after the things. They've got some financials to worry about. But still, it's been a long time since some of them have been home to see their, their kids and wives. So I'm hoping most of them got a break. Uh, Craig Dickinson's going fishing with his dad, which he's done in the past. Good for Craig. He knows how to keep things in perspective and to get away. And then they're back. Well, like, Craig Dickinson knows that the, the line is very important. Sorry, bad joke. Oh, yeah. That's a Sorry. One. Caught me hook, line, and sinker with that one, buddy. <laughs> Stinker in that case. <laughs> Stinker, yeah. Sorry. And, you know, and then they're back next week. They're going to be to a normal week, I think. They're supposed to be back and practicing next Wednesday, a week from Wednesday. And we'll see what they can do then, because guess who's coming to town? The Blue Bombers are, and it's going to be, holy smokes, Regardless of what's going to happen, I think the Labor Day Classic is still going to be a classic. I still think the scores and whatnot are going to be set. It's just going to be an opportunity for people to all get together on that. There's so many beautiful Labor Day memories that I hope we have some with this one. It's Especially not, it not it, I mean, last year, that's when it really sunk in, wasn't it, Murr? With Labor Day, Labor Day weekend when suddenly you're golfing and I'm exactly. very, grateful that, very, very grateful that I'm not golfing. So, uh, you know, this, that's where it really hit us that there's no – no football when that tradition uh, came to a close, or at least it was was preempted for a year. So, uh, I mean, Rough Riders win that game; they're four and zero, and and Winnipeg is two and two, and you've built exactly. some distance. I mean, even if you go into Winnipeg and lose the Banjo Bowl, you've still got a one game lead in the West Division in a shortened schedule. And uh, and 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 uh, the Bombers, if, if they win the game, they're both teams are three and one, and suddenly the Bombers have the edge in the season series. So either way, it just it's just sets up something really cool. And you look at what's happened. Uh, I mean, the Bombers are the defending Grey Cup champion, and, and they got there, uh, you know, by winning at 20 to 13 at Mosaic Stadium. 
Yeah. And uh, and it's Zach Kalaros's first uh, regular season start against the Rough Riders. Uh, and he he looks to he's coming off his first loss as the Bombers quarterback. There's just so many there's just so many reasons to be uh, interested in this game. Even when both teams have been bad, or one's been really good and one's been awful, or both have been mediocre, this is a game that's been interesting. But this <laughs> is really this is really shaping up as a. Uh, you remember 2007? I think even then we looked at that game as a, as a you know West Division final preview that just happened to be being, being played in, in September. It ended up uh, being a Grey Cup preview. And, uh, you know, it just uh, – hold on, Winnipeg was in the East back then. Never mind. We looked yeah. at that game as a possible Grey Cup, Grey Cup preview. I mean, it just had that buildup in 2007 and, and ultimately proved to be uh, accurate, except Kevin Glenn didn't play in the Grey Cup. So, you know, I think that – it has that sort of prize fight feel to it, as will the Banjo Bowl um, six days henceforth. And, and then they go to the – you know how well the Riders do at the Banjo Bowl. Yeah, well, they they used to do okay <laughs> but, uh, in the early years of the Banjo Bowl. Uh, I was at the first one back in 2004. That didn't work out as well. But uh, um, that is a tough one to win. But um, traditionally, that's been a split. Riders win at home. Winnipeg wins the following week or the next time they go to Winnipeg. But uh, and that would that would be fine with you know from a Rough Riders perspective. They can they can split. The Bombers are still chasing them. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, and then the Bombers don't have any games left against Saskatchewan, so uh, if one team sweeps that series, then there that's Seth Bennett, that could decide the the outcome of the West Division right there because it doesn't look like any of the other teams in the West are going to challenge. The Winnipeg and Saskatchewan are clearly one two or two one. Yeah, I didn't think when I wasn't all that impressed with Winnipeg against the Argos. I didn't think Zach. Kolaris looked as strong as he had in the first two games. I just thought that it was kind of a mediocre game for Winnipeg. What did you think? Yeah, yeah. you know, I, I think it'll help, get, it'll help them to get Andrew Harris back. Yeah. Um, you know, what I do really impress me about Zach Kolaros is, is the way he's throwing the ball vertically. In a season when a lot of teams aren't, mm-hmm. Winnipeg has been an outlier in that they've been go, able to go over the top. And how often do we see that in the Canadian Football League where most of the passes, such as those thrown by the Rough Riders, are very short and very... Uh, you know, very uh, east to east to west as opposed to north south, and that pass to Darwin Adams. The Bombers don't have a hesitation to go over the top. And even if we, there's Candy, and even if you look at the West Division final when it was held here last year, one of the things that really impressed me about Zach Caleros is something we didn't see as much, either by design or for other reasons, was that Zach Caleros didn't really go over the top that much as a Riders quarterback. Uh, we're seeing a different Zach Caleros now. We're seeing somebody who's yeah. scrambling around in the background in the backfield oh. in a manner not. Uh, dissimilar to that which Ron Lancaster scurried around in the 1960s. And uh, uh, it's a different Zach Kalaros. It's the player that I think a lot of people were hoping they had seen here in 2018. And uh, as long as they have him and as long as he remains healthy, that gives that offense uh, some potential and perhaps more potential to blow up a game than any team in the, in the, in the West Division, considering what we've seen so far, because they have a dimension to their game that nobody else has has, has demonstrated so far and that's an ability to go over the top and uh the rough riders haven't shown it yet uh edmonton isn't even playing this week uh, you know calgary's got their uh second or third third string quarterback in there now depending on how you look at the situation and uh and, and bc is well they're just kind of there yeah, so michael riley didn't look very good on the week mind you he was running for his life the whole time too yeah. the offensive line is you know, Riker Matthews is supposed to be a big free agent signing. I think he's missed two of the last three games. He might have played here for a little bit. Figaro is hurt. Figaro, yeah. They're, and Michael Riley is running for his life again, as he did last year. Now he's 36, as he was when he was 34 and getting beaten up. 
Yeah, so it's got to be. Uh, what do you think about the, what do you think is going to happen with ESPN? Do you think the CFL should play the game or when, you, when they should play the game? Should they cancel it? Just Well, if you can get the game in, you have to try and get the game in. Uh, the CFL is known for goofy scheduling, so why stop now? Um, and the NFL was able to get games in. I think they played every day of the week last they year. Did. They did. And, uh, you know, Tuesday night football is a wonderful thing. So, uh, you know, they, they hopefully they can squeeze it in somewhere. If, if if they don't, that's it almost creates an inequity, isn't it? There's 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 two teams that don't that don't have one game's worth of wear and tear, whereas the others do. And ultimately, mm-hmm. does it work to their advantage not to play? <laughs> I mean, I think you got to make you got to level the playing field competitively as much as anything, not only statistically with games played, but you've got to make sure that every team is, is, is subjected to the rigors of the game to, a, to the exact same degree. And mm-hmm. so I, I hope they can get it in. I haven't looked at when the teams have, those teams have bye weeks or, or what have you, uh, you know, is, but or how, what the logistics would be. And I, the locale is certainly a, a question mark. I think you've got to get that game in. The problem is they built no wiggle room into the schedule. So they have to really yeah. take a long look at this. Yep, I agree with everything you said. That's so do I. So should we sign? Yeah. So we sign off and let you remove. Uh, let me uh, resume yeah. your holidays. Exactly. Uh, Go back to you. We have to clothes. play the message. This is a <laughs> message that it is mandatorily. Like like, right um, I've even recorded this now so that I, I don't ever forget it again. This is by decree of Mark Melnichuk, our executive producer. And uh, please stay with us for the next twenty-five seconds. There'll be twenty-five seconds you won't regret. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review and a five-star rating. It helps us grow the podcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, oh, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Why is this playing question, You can email Rob at rvanstone.com and we'll read it on the air. What a disaster. You can follow me on Twitter at Rob Vanstone or Murray at Murray LP. I thought we both missed the five-star rating. It helps us grow the for Murray McCormick, I'm Rob Vasco, and we'll talk to you next week. Take care. I can't think of a better ending than that. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>